we all have different gifts and different talents. We're called in the scriptures. There's, there's, there's the office of what we call the evangelist. We're, there are people that have the gift of evangelism, sharing their faith with blank strangers. I mean, fly on Southwest, whole plane gets saved. You know, there's people like that. I'm just not one of those guys. There, there are, there's the office of the evangelist, but, but we are all, we may not be gifted in that, but we are all called to share our faith, right? There, there's, there's the Bible talks about there's the gift of service, that you actually, there are people, you know who they are, they're actually better at serving than you are. They just see a need. Most of the time, they're quiet people. They'll just see a need. My mom, my mom has 100% has the gift of service. She, she'll come in to your house, and before you know it, most of the laundry is done, the floors are mopped, and the trim has been painted, all right? Uh, that's, not, that's no lie. We've got testimonies of stuff like this, okay? And, and you're like, she has the gift of service. But you know what? I don't have the gift of service, but I am called to be a servant, right? We're all called to be servants in our own way. Well, there is also the spiritual gift of encouragement, that's actually some people, actually God has gifted to be encouragers. But you may not be a, you may not, God may not have de- deposited, you know, when you come to Christ, right? Well, the Bible says when you come to Christ, that, that the Holy Spirit comes in you. And we are given gifts in accordance to God's plan for us. The, the Bible is very clear that not, not no one person has all the gifts. But we all have some. Right? He gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be teachers, not all. Right? So we are, there's also the gift of encouragement. So God has given some people a special, unique gift to be an encourager. But we are all called to encourage. Right? So today we're going to talk about this because I, I think it's very powerful for what we're going through right now in our nation's life and in your workplaces. I mean, hey, let's just face it, y'all. I mean, you can just feel the funky, can't you? Like everywhere you go, you just feel this heavy. You feel the weird, right? You see a friend. How many times has this happened to you? It happens to me all the time. See somebody I hadn't seen in a while. I want to walk up, give them a big hug, and then I'm like, well, I don't know if I can do it. Can I? And we just kind of look at each other like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, is that still on or not? I mean, that, we, we, you know, it, it's just a weird time to be alive. So I want to tell you, I want to set this story up for you because it's a very, it's a very important story to, to my heart, and I'll tell you why in a minute. There was a guy who was a king, and I'm going to break through the context. His name was Saul, all right? King Saul. Saul had, a, and I got it mapped up out here for you. So Saul is a guy who, who, who God had put in the context of, of a king. Now, Saul had a son, and his name was Jonathan. All right, so Jonathan was, was Saul's son. Now, Jonathan is, he knows in his mind he's next to be king, all right? When, when daddy dies, I'm going to be king next, all right? So when daddy turns it over, I'm going to be king. In other words, he is set up to be that. That's how it worked. You, you were next in line. But Jonathan knows that's not going to happen. Jonathan knows, nope, because he knows that next in line is his best friend, David. For whatever reason, God had apportioned David, not Saul. So this is a really big deal in those days because it broke the rhythm, right? It broke the rhythm. So Jonathan's supposed to be king, but he knows that's not God's plan. And so what's so cool about Jonathan is that Jonathan was okay with it. That's how much of a heart for God Jonathan had. He was okay with it. You don't know a lot about Jonathan. In fact, um, 
Jonathan and David were best friends. Our two sons, our sons' names are uh, Jonathan Cole Cruz. We knew the Cole. We could never know the... So it's actually a middle name. By the way, if you, those of you think about having kids, don't make your kids first name their middle name because every doctor and every dentist and every school person is going to call them by name. And you're like, who are they? Oh, it's ours. You know, so we did that, though. Cole, Jonathan Cole Cruz and, 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 and Tucker David Cruz is our two sons' name. And we did that because of, of actually because of this story. So now when they get really at each other because one's 10 and one's 15 and they start, you know, throwing punches and all that. By the way, if your kids are, if, you're, if your sons and daughters are fighting, that just means they're normal, okay? Just calm down, if, especially boys. If there's not a little bit of blood, at least weekly, then something's, you're probably not doing something right. And so, so our two boys, every time they get mad at each other and I start talking to them about something, one of them, not every time, but a lot of times when I'm saying, I know dad, I know Jonathan, David, but you know, you know, all this stuff, but it's my way of kind of policing. See, I'm smart that way. You name them biblical Holy Spirit names. And then now they got automatic accountability for the rest of their life. Right? So you got to think through this when you name your kids. I'm just going to name your kids some, some cool off some show that you liked. Right? So, so David's next to be king, but here's what Saul does. Saul says, okay, you know what? I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to set out, and I'm going to try to find him, and I'm going to kill him. So what does David do? What any human being does, he runs, all right? He runs for his life. He sets off in the hill country, and he goes running off, and, and that's where you get most of the Psalms is in, in that times. And today, so you know, Jason, how does this have to do with encouragement? Oh, it has a lot to do with encouragement. I want you to... Turn with me to 1 Samuel. If you've got your Bible, it's kind of in the first 25% of your Bible. 1 Samuel 23 is where we're going. And I'm going to talk to you today about the power of your voice in times of trouble. The power of your voice in times... We're navigating strange days. The power of your voice in times of trouble. 1 Samuel 23 is where we're headed at this morning. And if you're on a device, um, I, 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 if you want to follow along word for word, I use the New American Standard, N-A-S-B. So now you've got the context... And here's the story. It's really simple. David's running for his life. He's gone into the desert of Ziph. In fact, let's look at 1 Samuel. I'm, this is not going to be on the screen. I left out one verse before it, so we're going to start there. 1 Samuel 23, verse 14. David stayed in the wilderness in the strongholds. That means the high places. Remained in the hill country in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. Now David became aware that Saul had come out to seek his life while David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horish. And Jonathan, now who was Jonathan? He was, he was David's deeper than a brother, de deeper than a best friend. They were soul brothers. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and he went to David at Horish and he encouraged him in the Lord. Even the Hebrew there even means strengthened his hand. He, he encouraged him in the Lord. And, and so Jonathan says in verse 17, Jonathan said to David, do not be afraid because the hand of Saul, my father, will not find you. And you'll be king over Israel and I will be next to you. I'll be beside you. And Saul, my father, knows this also. So the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. And David stayed at Horish while Jonathan went to his house. It says they, it says they made a covenant. You know, a covenant, what's that? It's an agreement, right? I, I've always wanted to know. There's a covenant, a, a covenant of encouragement. 
They, 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 I, I, would like, I would love to know what the terms of that covenant were. What, for those of you that are in business, wouldn't you, wouldn't you like to know the terms of that covenant? Like what, what were going to be the, the boundaries of how that covenant worked? We often call legal documents, we call them covenants at times, business documents. What were the terms of that covenant? It says they made a, a covenant there in the, in the desert. Now, now, why in the world does this matter? And why does it matter in a day like in, in a COVID culture? Why does it matter so much? Well, we, we talk a lot at Clearview that God made you for a reason. In fact, we, we, we build our whole church's model around it. That's kind of new to us. It's not, it's not new. It's just new to us. It's, it's the, you, know why, you know why we believe that, that God, God, God made you. He built you. He didn't just put you into the human population because, you know, we needed more brunettes. Right, we were overloaded or something, or maybe maybe we needed more people that were above six feet tall. He didn't. He doesn't do that. God made you for a reason, and the reason that we from from, our, from we're working on from our, our kids ministry to our student ministry to our adult ministry, we're we're building. It takes time, but we're building this path to purpose. And the reason we're building this path to purpose is because that that we know that. For the, if Jesus waits another 50 years, the human condition is always this, that every person ever born that's ever been born will always wonder, why am I here? What is my role? But most people walk around, as Zig Ziglar once said, he said, most people live their lives as a wandering generality when they should be a meaningful specific. Isn't that a great most people live their lives as a wandering generality when they could be a meaningful specific. Zig was a very devoted follower of Jesus. So we have, we have actually a thing called Path to Purpose, and we're building that into our church over time. But I want you to know, on that Path to Purpose, we know that you are to be God's missionary to your world. Not the whole world, your world. There are people right now in Bangladesh that you're never going to meet. That's not your world. It's in your world, but you're responsible. God has put you in the corporate sector. He's put you in government work. He's put you in the medical field. God's put you as stay-at-home moms. God has put you as musicians. He has built you in all kinds of marketplaces. He's put you in the classroom as a high school student. He's put you in the classroom on the football team, maybe, a basketball team, cheerleading team in middle school. God, God has put you in your world, and we are called to be his missionaries to our world, the world we live in every day. Your voice in that world matters a lot. You know why? Because I don't live in that world. You do. You live in that world. I don't live in that world. You live in that world. So, so it's very important that we execute our callings in life. And you know what Jonathan and David did in a time of trouble there's a couple of, of, of key foundational principles I want you to remember. Jonathan did a few things here. Now listen, go back to what I just told you. All of you in the room, in fact, most of you in this room, most of you in this room would, would probably not have the gift, the actual specific gift of encouragement. But we're all called to encourage. And why does encouragement matter so much right now? It matters so much right now. We're going to cover that. So how do I, how, how do you, we are all called to encourage as we go. 
We're all called to be encouragers. So what, let's take a few lessons. Now, here's why this matters. I don't take, just so you know, I don't take these points and sermons and bring them in from the outside, okay? That's not what you do. What you do to be a, a faithful expositor, you take what the Bible character did or you take what the scriptures say and you lift it out, okay? You don't take it from the outside in. You go from the inside out. And so we're going to look at what, what did Jonathan do? And what does that say to us today about being an encourager in strange days? And the first truth is this, is that God wants me to be proactive with my presence. Do you hear me? God wants me to be proactive with my presence. Now, Jonathan did that. Did you notice? God wants you to be proactive, not reactive, proactive with your presence. And you have a presence. I don't care if you're an introvert. I don't care if you're an extrovert. Or if you're somebody like me, I'm on the cutting, bleeding, painful edge of extrovert, right? Part of my mission in life is to make introverts really nervous, okay? And I have a lot of fun with that, right? Okay? All right, this is the right way it is. So, so I, I, I know that there's introverts, extroverts, and then there's all kinds of people in between. But you have a presence, and God wants you to be proactive with that presence. That may only be one or two people. It may be the person sitting next to you at, at work, or right now that might be your cat because you're working remote, right? But God wants you to be proactive. And, and so Jonathan did that. Notice what it says about Jonathan. Look, look at this right here. It says, and Jonathan saw son arose. Don't miss that. You'll read right past that. It, it says there in, in verse uh, 15, I think it was. No, I've, I've turned over my page. Too much. Yeah, um, verse 15. Now, David became aware that Saul had come out to seek his life while he was in the desert. Verse 16. And Jonathan, Saul's son, he arose. Act. Act. Let me, let me, let me tell you something. Listen to me really close. When people are going through really hurtful times, Many, a lot of times in your heart, you're going, man, I, I don't know what to do. Maybe there's been a tragedy. Maybe they're just really depressed. Maybe something's going on with one of their kids. Have you ever had the feeling, I, I have this feeling all the time. Somebody's got an illness, they're really sick, and you're like, man, I, I mean, I, I can go, but I, I don't know what to do. Listen, I feel the same way. I, I, I often don't know what to do, but I want to tell you something. When people are hurting, regardless if it's on a scale of 10, if it's a, a level 2 pain or a level 10 pain, the greatest gift you can give them is your presence. Because you know what they're going to remember? They're going to remember that you were there. I, I've preached, I, can't, I don't know how many funerals. I, I mean, I've done tons of funerals. And you always wonder, what, what do you say? You know what people remember? They remember that you came. They remembered that you dropped some food off. They remembered, they remember, you, hey, you know, let me give you a real practical tip when somebody's gone through a tragedy. Let me tell you, this is, this is really important. Let me tell you what happens, by the way. This isn't in the notes. I'm going to divert for a second. I've been working on uh, preaching shorter sermons. I, I, I don't know that I'm ever going to get there. I, uh, but, but this is because things like this pop in my head. And if it does, I, I think you probably need to know it. Let's, let's, let's take a real tragedy, like something, a, a, a divorce or a death or, or a big illness, but especially when something tragic happens. I, I call it the radio volume. 
In the first 30 days, the volume on the radio gets really loud in a positive way. People are bringing food. They're writing notes. They're making phone calls. These people have all this support around them, right? And almost in a day, that will vanish. Inside, inside 30 days, you know why? Because life has to go back. I mean, people have to go back to just living normal life. But let me tell you what I've discovered as a minister. When people have gone through a really tragic time, the first 30 days are a daze. They're stunned. They're mad. They're crushed. Their, their minds are foggy. But let me tell you when they really do want to talk. Six months later. Six months later. You know why? Because it's starting to sink in. They've gone through their first Easter without mama. They're coming home to a bedroom that used to have a wife in it, and now it doesn't. And so so you don't know what to say. You see them. You 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 see them at Costco, and you're like, ah, should I bring this up? Should I not? Bring it up. Bring it up. Hey, you know, listen. How are, you, how are you working through that? What's it been like? Don't ask them yes or no questions. You ask yes or no questions, you'll get yes or no answers. How are you doing? Fine. Well, we all know you're not fine. Ask them open-ended questions. What's it been like in the last 90 days? Make them talk a little bit. Listen, they, they're wanting it. I promise you, even the most private people, if they know you and they know you care, there's something about being, being able to talk about something. So in, in your pain, your presence is the, is the greatest gift you have. And that's why even for us here at church, like even as pastors, I mean, there's no way in a church this size we can do pastoral ministry. That's what a small group is for. I mean, I'm just one guy. Shane's one person. Alexis is one person. We're never, ever going to have the reach that you're going to have. Not at all. That, that, so our, our, our church is built around the power of small groups. And, and, and so you, you are going to encounter people. In fact, I'll tell you something. Honestly, do you know that often we're the last to hear about it? That's no lie. We're often the last to know. Because it's just too big of a group of people. So your presence matters in your world. Not in the whole world, but in your world. So what did Jonathan do? Jonathan went. Let me tell you how this plays out, okay? How many times has this happened to you? How many times you're going down the road, you're thinking about somebody, and boom, right? Somebody's name pops in your head. Listen, call them. Don't overthink it. Even if it's just to say, hey, thought about you today. How are you? I'm telling you, I don't have... Statistical evidence, so I'm going to, you know, 82% of statistics are made up on the spot anyway, right? But I'm going to go so far as to say that about six out of ten times, you're going to be stunned. They're like, I've had the worst day. When somebody's go, mind, when they go through your mind, text them, hey, listen, I just want you to, so, and you don't have to say, you don't have to be some profound orator, just say, hey, I just want you to know something. I love you, and you're a great woman of God. Women, you need to text that to your friends. I love you. You're a great woman of God. Text some of your brothers that you care about. You know, when when their their name comes across your mind, text them. Tell them, hey, I I just want you to know. That's your presence being an injection. David and Jonathan made a covenant. And what did Jonathan? How did that covenant start? How did it start? Jonathan went. Because you know what I found about encouragement? Do you know that most of the time, 
you assume, listen to me really close. Most of the time you assume that people are getting more encouragement than they actually are. I'm telling you, do you know this, this, I can back this up. I'd have to dig it up, but it's, it's out there. A guy did, a, a research firm did a study one time on pastors. By the way, this isn't code. I don't speak in code. If I'm mad, I'm going to tell you I'm mad. If I'm happy, I'm going to tell you I'm happy. This is not code. I'm just telling you, this is just to show you how people assume things. A guy did a study one time on the reasons that pastors leave churches. And you know what the study, one of the founding principles of that study was? The average pastor, regardless of church size, mega church to small church, the average pastor leaves a church because of eight people on average. Eight people. Eight people have made his life so miserable he just quit. And you know what the tragedy of that is? So let's say that there's a church, that church has 100 people in it. 92 people, not in, that wouldn't be a Baptist church. 72 people really love that guy. All right? Eight people really don't like him at all. And then there's 20 people that don't, haven't made their mind up yet. All right? That's okay. You, if you haven't made up your mind yet about me, it may, it, you, you're, it's probably not going to get better. I'm just going to tell you. Eight people. You know what those eight people did? They made life so loud. Eight people can convince you the whole church doesn't like you. When 75% said, no, Bill's a great guy. And then when Bill leaves, they go, what what happened? What happened is silence. That's what happened. Why, Why did our CFO... Why, why did he leave? Because he had four people on his team always telling him how, how or telling her how, how she never could do a good job when everybody was like, well, I think so. they do a great job. You see, the power of your voice right now, the whole world is funky. The whole world's in a fog. And the people of God need to be the people of God. Amen? We know the truth. Oh, man, be proactive with your faith. But I'm going to tell you what to do. When you're proactive with your And by the way, I'm going to say this. just That was not like you don't have to send me 87 text messages today telling me how great my preaching is. I know my preaching is great. I don't need you to tell. Just seeing if y'all are awake. All right? So, no, I, that wasn't code for that. I'm just giving you examples of how it affects all areas of life. It's true in every facet of life. Let me tell you. If there's anybody that needs the proud of your presence right now, you know I'm going to tell you something. You know who they will be? Police officers. I want to tell you all something. I don't normally say stuff like this because it's personal to me. I don't want you all to think I'm, I'm some good guy. That I, but let me tell you something. I've made it a habit in the last year since the events of last summer when I see a police officer. I just tell them how I want you to know. I walk right up to them. Don't even know them. I don't care if I'm out of state, out of town. I walk right up to them and say, don't you believe what you hear? There's millions of people behind you. Okay, you, you matter. What, what about school teachers? Do you, do you know what they're having to put up with? You, you, you try. You try 10-year-olds in Zoom. It's herding cats in a room full of elephants. It's awful. I mean, it, it, listen. If, if you're in any form of leadership at all, you know what some of the most godly things you could do, all of you, every, all of you listen online, the most, one of the most godly things you could do, text the leader of your organization and just say, hey, listen, I just want you to know I'm for you. 
I'm for you. Because it's awful. Small businesses are hurting. Eight, nine, ten employees trying to figure out how to make it work. You've got a presence about you. But when you go, when you go, do what Jonathan did. There's very specific. He went. He was proactive with his presence. But look, what he, the second thing I tell you is this. Look, God wants me to speak his truth when I arrive. So go, but when you get there, speak the truth. Let me look at what Jonathan did. I want you to look in verse 17. This is really important here when you start encouraging people. It says, Jonathan said to David, do not be afraid. Now, let me tell you what that means. Now, okay, you've got, you've got some of your soul brothers and some of your soul sisters, right? So if you've got a really close friend, you can tell even if they got a happy face on. Some may write, right? You just know. You just know them that well. The first thing out of Jonathan's mouth was he said, don't be afraid, David. Don't be afraid. What does that presuppose? That he was. He knew his friend. And he knew, I mean, would you be afraid if a guy that had a whole army decided to make you his enemy? Listen, you're one man with one sword. He's got thousands of swords. You're not going to win if he finds you. You're just not. And you know it. So, so David's, I mean, David and Jonathan meet and Jonathan speaks life. So go with your presence. But when you get there, speak the truth. Speak the truth. Now let me tell you, that's a far cry. This is really, really important, okay? When you go, speak the truth. Don't speak hype. Hype is not encouragement. So Jason, for, the, for those of you above my generation, what's a hype man? All right, Muhammad Ali had one. Do you know, if you, you know, do you ever see the, with Jamie Foxx, do you ever see the Muhammad Ali movie? Go, you know, there's a, Jamie Foxx was, was uh, uh, Will Smith, Will, uh, Smith. Will Smith was, the, was Muhammad Ali, and Jamie Foxx was the hype man. And the hype man's the guy standing in the corner, and he's in your ear the whole time going, he can't beat you, he can't beat you. You're going to hit him hard. Don't stop moving. He's scared. Look at him. Look at him. He's scared of you. That's a hype man, right? If you don't want to be my hype man, we'll just put you back up here, okay? We'll just put you in. And y'all can just, y'all can, I have one of those interviews. I get it from Zach or something. Y'all can just tell me how good I'm preaching or something on Sunday. Keep going. Keep going. They, they're not getting it. They're not, they don't, get, they don't worry. Just keep going. We can be, be my hype man. That's what, that's not, listen, that's not, that is not biblical encouragement. It's not. Don't be a hype man. You know, in the Psalms, it says it's cold to sing songs to a troubled heart. That's what the Psalms say. Who wrote that? The man that had had a troubled heart. Some of the worst things you can do when somebody's hurting is speak hype into them. That is not biblical encouragement. And Jonathan didn't do that. You know, he, he didn't say, oh, you're a rock star. He didn't do that. He didn't say that. He said, oh, it's going to be okay. Hey, just think positive. You know what? You think positive, Jonathan. I got an army coming after me. You think positive. I'm going to run. No, but what did he do? First thing he did was he spoke, he spoke the truth. He knew he was afraid, and he said so. He spoke truth. Speak the truth. It's okay. Let me tell you, it is perfectly acceptable when somebody's hurting for you to look at them and go, this is awful. It's, it's awful. 
I mean, admit it. It's awful. Winston Churchill, oh, man, I love Winston Churchill. Look at what Winston Churchill said in the height of the London bombings. He said, there is no worse mistake in public leadership than to hold out false hopes soon to be swept away. The British people can face peril or misfortune with fortitude and buoyancy, but they bitterly resent being deceived or finding that those responsible for their affairs are themselves dwelling in a fool's paradise. See, people, people were constantly encouraging him not to speak blatant, candid transparency to the British people when Hitler was bombing them every day. I mean every day. And man, you got to love Winston Churchill because what he's basically saying is, you think they don't know they're getting bombed? You think they don't understand that every night when the sirens go off, it's not going to be a possibility? It's a reality. The bombs are coming. He said they resent. But, he said, but it, they resent it. But they didn't mind the fight. They didn't mind the fight. Speak the truth. He said, don't fear. Be honest. Jonathan was honest with David. And notice what he also did right here. After he says, don't be afraid, he spoke to the emotion. That's the first thing he did, spoke to the emotion. Our emotions are real, but they're not the truth. He spoke to the emotion. Then he said something. He, then he, then notice he, he reminded. Notice what he did in verse 17. Look right there in verse 17. He spoke to the emotion, and the next thing out of his mouth was this. Because the hand of my father will not find you, and you will be king over Israel. See, God had declared that. That wasn't hype. But let me tell you, when people are hurting, what do they do? Forget. When people are hurting, they forget. Why? Because pain makes you foggy. Pain creates stress. Pain distorts reality, doesn't it? The whole world's out to get you when you're, when you're in pain. But he said, no, he reminded him of God's plan. Now, you can do that. Remind them of what the scriptures say about the child of God. Remind them that this world is not your home. I know it's awful right now. One day, we're all going to be liberated from this thing. Speak, speak the truth. You know, Jesus said in John 16, Jesus said, I've told you these things so that you may have peace in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. See, Jesus was elevating us to the bigger narrative. Right now in strange days, you know what everybody's doing? Most everybody, I don't know, mostly me, I do it all the time. We put our eyes on the context of our culture, and that becomes the dominant theme of our lives, when in fact, it's just the theme this year. It's just the theme for a while. It's just the theme for right now, but it's not the theme for... Aren't you glad that 2020 is not the theme forever? Yeah, praise the Lord. It's not the theme forever. Jesus said, I've told you these things. He's reminding us of the end game. The end game is that he's overcome the world. And so why, why does it matter so much? I'll tell you why your encouragement matters. Why does your presence matter? Why does your truth matter? Just to one friend, one or two people. Why does it matter? Because it can alter a person's trajectory. It really can. Many of you don't think your voice is powerful. I'm telling you, you are God's agent, filled with the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit in you. And because of that, words of life come out of you. And because words of life come out of you in dark days, people need to hear it. People need to hear it. 
You don't have to walk through Costco, happy, happy, happy day. I would actually encourage you not to do that. Because I'm going to say, no, they don't go here. You know, they go to Brentwood or something. I'm just going, I'm going, you know, I don't know. I'll make it up on the cuff. They're one of those Methodist folks or something. I mean, I, you know, I don't know who that person is, right? No. doesn't mean you have to do that. It does mean that you have a presence. I think you get the idea. Why does this matter so much, man? Why does it matter so much? Because let me tell you. People are just all the time saying it's going to be okay, and they're going to say, you know, you're a rock star, you're going to make it. That's all kinds of hype, but that's not hope, okay? <laughs> hype is different than hope. And hope for the believer in Christ, hope is a reality. I want you to listen to me really close, Christian. Listen to me really, really, really close. Our hope isn't hype because our hope has a clock on it. Our hope has a countdown timer. Because the Bible tells me that the Father already knows the day and the hour when the sky is going to split. Amen? Our hope is there. It's a reality. Our hope is not some kind of hype. Our hope is a reality. Look at what the Apostle Paul said. Man, I love this. He said, brothers and sisters... We do not want you to be uninformed. There's a word in the South called ignorant, not ignorant. That's how they pronounce it in other places. Ignorant. Okay? My granddaddy said ignorant. Okay? I don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind. There's a whole sermon in that, but I'm not going to preach it as bad as I want to. Who Don't grieve like the rest of society who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and he rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. All right, let's look at the next part of that verse. For the Lord himself, this is what's going to happen, okay? Doesn't matter if you believe it, it's going to happen. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together, hallelujah, with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, what? Encourage one another with those words. Encourage one another. Grab you. you got a, you got, hey, listen, listen, ladies. You got one of your friends that's in depression. You grab her by the jaws and you look at her and you say, Jesus is coming. You hear me? I don't know how much longer this is going to last. We're going to pray it down. But until that time, Jesus is coming. Our hope has a clock on it. Our hope has a clock on it. It's a countdown timer. And so we can encourage one another with those words. So here's the, the lesson. You say, Jason, I don't, I don't really know what to say to people when they're hurting. i tell you what to say. Text them. Jesus is coming. This isn't forever. Jesus is coming. Right? Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Right? Yes. Introvert or extrovert, you don't have to open your mouth. We can clap for Jesus' sake. Right? 
You know, you often don't think about sharing something with somebody like a tweet or an email or sending them a sermon or sending them a podcast. You don't often think of that as missions, but it is. It's not that you have to send it to the whole world or post every single thing we do at Clearview on your feed. But if if you've heard a sermon or if you've listened to a podcast, think through your life. I mean, God, who needs to hear this? Sometimes it, it, it doesn't need to go on your Facebook page. Sometimes it needs to go on your Twitter. But sometimes just a simple text to one person can make all the difference in the world. Is sending them the Word of God in real time. Share it. You'd be surprised how far it goes.